This is a Turtle Boy Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Turtle Boy Podcast. I'm Big Tim. I'm Luke McWilliams. And this week, we're having a bit of a double feature. Ooh, yes. It's a bit like a drive-in. Yeah, so as I've been saying for the last week, we are going to be looking at uh, the Raphael Micro Series, the one-shot from 1985. Ish. Yeah. Going to have to do your research. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, And and the thing is, we, we do this every week. Yeah. Very first Ninja Turtle comic from 1982. No, 90, uh, anyway. Um, so we're going to be doing that, but first we're going to be looking at the Ashcan preview. It's a five-page preview of the upcoming uh, The Last Ronin mm. that we've been very anti- the very how do you phrase it anticipated anticipatedish. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke about it earlier, but uh, for those just. Joining us. Okay, wait, even before we go there, Ooh. today's episode is again brought to you by Chang's Beer. <laughs> Cheers, delicio. Now I went to buy um, oh, yeah. I went to buy Lucky Buddha again. They're out again. What's going on? Maybe coronavirus. Ah. Oh. You know what? I don't like it when coronavirus is messing with my beer now. Do you want they to messed with my comics for months, yeah. right? Now they mess with my beer. I've had enough coronavirus. Go home, you're drunk. People in America apparently aren't buying Corona beers because of the association. So that probably could explain the reason why other beers are selling out. Yeah, yeah. And then again, you know, you look at America's, all the crazy things America does. And as we were talking before, off mic, we here in Australia are putting 10-year-olds in jail for stealing chocolate. So, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, there's pros and cons across the board. Okay, so Chang beer, Chang's beer. It's delicious. Mm. Um, I am missing my uh, Lucky Buddha beer, though. It is crisper. This does have mm. a bit of a fizzy, you know, frothy yeah. um, taste. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, so give us a rundown of what this last Ronin, in case, in ca- just in case this is someone's first episode, as oh, yeah. Stan Lee said. All right. As Stan Lee once said, every comic is someone's first comic. Okay, and so that's why his writing is very expositional, <laughs> if that's the right word. <laughs> or if we can call it his writing. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, look. In case you don't know about the last Ronin, Luke, tell us what what the go is. Well, yeah, for a number of years, uh, the co-creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, have been slightly on the outs. They haven't been working together for how long, Tim? It, it's like decades. Decades, man. Uh, let's say at least twenty years. Yeah, and. Um, and so, and we, we've covered that previously. Um, yep. Apparently, it was a bit of a creative difference to the marketing of the of the turtles. Yep. Um, but yeah, so now they've come back to do. Is this a one shot? It's a five issue minute mini series. Great, and it's called the Last Ronin. Yes. And as we covered in the first episode of Turtle Boy Podcast, we're looking at the comic books. Um, these guys were having a bit of fun 
coming up with their own versions of, um, like you said, their new mutants, yeah. but also uh, a bit of a parody or a homage to Frank Miller's Ronan and also Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. So here we've got the last Ronan, which looks to be the um, a final Ninja Turtle decked out in his own and his dead brother's, presumably, yeah. weapons. Yeah. And the mystery is, what's going on? Which turtle is it? And what happens? And what turtle is it? Yeah, where's where's the other turtles? Which turtle is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit futuristic, I would imagine. So we're yeah. looking at, at a, um, a future, an alternate future, perhaps. Yeah. Or wouldn't it this be amazing if this is the ending of the original Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird Team NT run? Which, yes, it would be awesome. Now, but that brings <sighs> my first problem to the table, mate. Uh-oh. You've got a couple. Okay, first thing first, guys, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, head to our Facebook page. There's a link on our Facebook page um, where you can download this eight-page preview for free. Okay, mm. it's a PDF. The link's right there in the Facebook group. So download that, um, have a read through it, then jump back on board, and, uh, and let's talk about it. I've got a question. Yes. What is an Ashcan? An Ashcan is a preview comic book. Um, it can be anywhere from eight pages to 22 pages, mm-hmm. right? Normally what an ash can is, is it's it's uh, a pre-comic book to get your juices flowing, you know, to give you a taste of what's coming in this Teaser. Book. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very um, indie comic book thing. I know a lot of the guys that I know in the indie... Um, in the indie world. community, yeah, mm-hmm. world. Um, before they release their next big thing, they'll release a free ash can which normally has, it'll have your cover, it'll have, uh, and, and it would depend. It might just be an eight-page story preview like this one. It might, I know Ryan K. Lindsay, he releases them and you've got you know, eight pages of story, you've got a cover, you've got some uh, rough pencils in the back, you might have mm. a bit of a script sample, you have some, you know, a whole thing to sort of give you a behind-the-scenes look, you know, of what's coming. Is that a digital copy or is it a printed copy? Would he do a printed? No, these okay. days it's digital, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, I, I'm actually going to start doing it. Um, probably not for my next comic, but the one after. I start okay. doing little ash cans um, to get people excited, you know. In, back in the day, though, mm. I remember before Generation X, you know, the X-Men book in the 90s, before that launched, they released a little... Um, a three sized ash can, and it was a printed out book. Mm. You know, um, so back then they would print it up, but to print it up costs money. A lot of us indie guys, you know, we just want to get it in people's hands, and a lot of people prefer reading them digitally these days anyway. Well, this was about to say back in my day, in comics, <laughs> just get rid of it. Okay, sorry guys, that's, that's <laughs> the um, the coaster sticking to yeah. the bottom of my beer. <laughs> um, back in back in the day, you'd go to your comic book store and you'd pick up. Like what you've got now, yep. um, a combination, a, a, a publish, uh, a publication of just samples of, yeah. of one company showing, yep. hey, this is what we've got. And I think really these days we see that in Free Comic Day, yep. where it's just like, oh, here you go. This is something we usually give away for free anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's all I really had. So the idea of an ash can for an individual comic, I would have thought, just release the whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, and really, does. The first partnership between the co-creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really need to stoke the fires 
with an ash can, well, I think we're very spoiled. We, we are. Would, very you, spoiled. would you just would you buy this anyway? It's, it's on my list. Of course you, you would. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's, it's going to happen. You know. So mm. uh, yeah, exactly. Now let, let's just take one side side step. Yep. Okay. Um, it's Friday night. We do this record this uh, recording Friday nights. Straight after work, I go to the comic book shop. Mm-hmm. Then I come over here to Luke's and we do all this. Now, what I picked up today was the new issue of Venom, Venom mm. number 26. Now, I bring this up because you were talking about um, Free Comic Book Day. Yeah. Now, I looked at the cover. It looks kind of like Venom in an Iron Man type armor. Yeah. Okay. And I said that to, to, to Mal at the store. And I was like, what's the go here? You know? And he says, um, it's a new character that Marvel created that was supposed to launch on Free Comic Book Day this year, but Free Comic Book Day was cancelled this year due to coronavirus. Right. The new character's name, which was obviously created long before coronavirus, the new character's name is Virus. Oh. <laughs> so they couldn't release the launch of a brand new Venom-related character, Virus, on Free Comic Book Day because of coronavirus. I, I would have totally done that. I'd have said, hey, here we go, coronavirus day. This is a character called Virus. Half yeah. your half the trouble is being done for you. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Cash it in. markets itself, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's get back to this. Mm. Now, who... We know this is Eastman and Laird's first team up in decades. Yep. Okay, but this isn't the solo Eastman and Laird comic that I thought we were getting. Right. Look at the credits, right? So we've got an IDW ash can. So automatically this isn't a Peter Laird. Do you remember how he's got the rights to do about four or whatever of the original Team NT a year? He's still got those rights, but this is an IDW publication, which automatically gets rid of what I was thinking would have been awesome. We've got Eastman, Laird, Waltz, Kun, and Pazillo. Yep. Now look at the next page, right? Okay, here we go. Yep. Story oh. by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. Script by Tom Waltz. Layout by Kevin Eastman. Pencils, inks, Andy Kuhn. Colors, Brittany Pizzello. So, oh. you've got... You know, this is being pimped as the big <clears throat> return of Eastman and Laird. Right. But they've basically brainstormed the idea with another guy. You know what I mean? The thing is also... It's almost, I mean, you know, I've got no idea, but the cynic in me would would probably edge towards Tom Waltz coming up with the script, and he consulted Eastman and Larrard, you know, yeah. and that's me being extremely pessimistic. Yeah. I mean, back in the Mirage Studio days, the formation, Eastman and Larrard, 50% of the artwork and the yeah. stories, each panel, these two guys in a little studio churning it out, working together, all that. Yeah. Here, I can see Tom Waltz picking up the phone, having a very long-winded chat to the enthusiastic Kevin Eastman and having a, yeah, why not, with Peter Laird. Yeah. And, um, and again, I've got no idea I'm being extremely cynical. That's right, yep. But I would think, again, being extremely cynical, perhaps this is only Kevin and um, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in name only. Yeah. A bit like how, you know how you when you see a movie the poster, and go, ah, from the producers of Terminator 2, you know? Executive producer um, James Cameron for 
Terminator Genesis. Ba- Batman and Forever, executive produced by Tim Burton. That's right. Yeah. And you know what that means? They said, yeah, use my name. Yeah. That's it. They don't have to do anything. They've put their name to something to increase the sales for something that they're going to get back in royalties yeah. anyway. Yep. You know? And again, yeah. I've got no idea. Yeah. These yeah. guys might have been a, a great triplet yep. all working in unison. Which but would again, be a beautiful thing if that was the case. But again, this is taking a bit of a shine off because I am extremely cynical yeah. by nature. Yeah, so mm. that's my... It's got me this far. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, you know, I'm I'm not poo-pooing the whole thing. Mm. Let's get further into this preview, okay, into this Ashcan. Because you do say layouts by Kevin Eastman, yep. and I, um, I know he's been doing that with the IDW comics anyway. Some of them, yeah. What is a layout in comparison to anything else? Okay, a layout is he would do a very rough page, very rough. Basically, he'd, he'd lay the panels out. He'll draw almost a, a bit more than a stick figure. Mm. You know what I mean? And just say, look, this is where, again, not that we know who this, this turtle is, but look, this is where Leonardo's standing. This is where Donatello will stand. So a bit and like then, the storyboard process for a movie. Well, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So he'll just lay it all out. And then that, I nearly said the real artist, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the artist. tracer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the penciler will come in, you know, and do their sort of style over the top of it mm. and go from there. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what we have is we have a mysterious Ninja Turtle. Like we said, he's got everyone's weapons. He's got or goggles. She. Oh, or she. He's got everyone's weapons, goggles around their neck, um, <laughs> and a black mask. Well... Is it black or is it hidden in shadow so we don't know which colour they're wearing? Okay. Because they've got a hood yeah. on. Okay. And that, okay. that's casting a shadow on the on the face. Yep, I'll take that on board. Yeah. And he's having a conversation. Or she. Or, and they are having a conversation with someone off screen. Which I presumed to be um, themselves. They're talking to... Their brothers, yep. or sister, or sister, uh, in their minds. Yep. So you can get the idea that either they're a bit disturbed, or they they haven't emotionally let go of their lost yeah. brothers or sister. Or sister. Yes. <laughs> we have to keep saying. Um, yeah, and so he or she is basically at the edge of. In that big panel there, mm. we can see what's the bridge. This one. Now back up on the first page. Yeah. See the bridge in the background. I'm not familiar with New York, what, what the bridges are going in and out of New York. I am. Well, okay. Because of the Dark Knight Rises. And having said that, I think that was Pittsburgh. But anyway, New York City is an island. Yes. So you've got several bridges. Yep. But um, knowing that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are really from New York, we can at least assume that yeah. this is a post-apocalyptic New, New York. York. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he or she... Is trying to get into a walled-off city. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then and then we have a nice big double-page spread of the city, mm. and to me, it feels like Escape from New York. It. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It looks like the movie. For, okay. <clears throat> look, I know we we we, <laughs> we are so fucking old, right? And I know people are listening, going, "What's Escape from New York?" Yeah. It's an action flick from 1980s by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, um, and New York City is a massive maximum security prison. Right. But the thing is here, 
this is obviously a futuristic New York where the foot and the treader have won. They've dominated the city. We've got this amazing-looking Japanese uh, samurai structure right in the middle. That, that towers over the other buildings. That looks a bit like the Shredder's helmet. You know what? Really? Didn't notice it till you said it to me now. You got the grill? Yep. You yep. got it all going on. And so why would the Shredder put a wall around his city? Well, because... See, Shredder only ever wanted to take over New York. Is that it? As far as I'm aware... Because this takes us back to what I was asking about what the Shredder's plan was in the 1990s movie. Yeah, like yeah. Like stealing purses and TVs. Is that it? Yeah. But apparently he was just an egomaniac um, and he just wanted to take control of the city. Yeah. Because without Krang in the TV series, because Krang really was the big picture, big thinker guy. The big brain. The big... Uh, uh, hey. um, Shred Tread, he didn't really have yeah. a plan. I mean, in the comic books... He was running a protection racket. He was basically a contractor. Hire me and my little group of ninjas yeah. and we'll protect you. Yeah. You know. Whereas here, um, oh, all right, he was a megalomaniac yeah. all along. There we go. Or it might be Kai. Kara. K- K- Karai. Karai. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Well, see, look, I, I've got to say, as you pointed out now, and it's so obvious to me looking at it now, <laughs> that it's a Shredder helmet, yeah. a, a homage to the Shredder helmet or a tribute or a monument, yeah. whatever the right word is. I was just thinking, well, it could be the Krang. It could no. be anyone else. But now that you've pointed it out, <laughs> it's, it's so obviously Japanese yeah. and Shredder's helmet. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> um, yeah, we get little... Raphael, uh, look. You see, yeah, 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 yeah. See, I automatically go to Raphael because Raphael's he's always case. been the loner. Yeah, he's the hard case and of the hard crew. Nuts and, and, and you yeah. think if if everything's going to hit the fan, mm. stereotypically, you think Raph's going to survive it. Yeah, yeah, you know he's I mean? the tough nut. He's the tough one. Yeah, yeah. You know, that even if he makes dumb decisions, he's tough enough to uh, get out the other end. Mm. So... Yeah, I, I keep going back to Raph myself, but as you keep saying, it could be Janika. There we go. It could be any of them. So I, I, I'm putting my, I'm putting fifty cents on Janika. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm doing it. Okay, there okay. we done. Oh, because gonna... especially since this is IDW. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you think about it, like this turtle's got all the weapons apart from the claws. Yeah, Shanika's claws. So there's going to be a bit of a reveal. You want to make it a bit of a surprise. Yeah. My 50 cents is on Jamaica. Okay, my 50 cents mm-hmm. is on, and again, just because I'm trying to think of the most unlikely thing, Michelangelo. Ah. I think everyone else has died and Michelangelo's had to harden up. Right. He's had to grow up. Because he's the baby of the crew. This, he's this always been the baby of the crew, right? We're, we're in the third page. It's grim. Yeah. And so it would be a surprise if it was Michelangelo because he's the... Party dude, and he's always been the optimistic one in any iteration of the of the t- comics or movies. I did a, a couple of years ago now film writing uh, program course, whatever, mm-hmm. and at the end of it, you get to write whatever script you want. This isn't a script to sell. This is just a um, for your own for your, for your, for your own yeah. skill, yeah, for your own fun. So I wrote a story. I wrote the third Michael Bay Ninja Turtle movie, right, right, <clears throat> and in that, that's what I did. Was I had Donatello killed, Fuck. right by Rocksteady? Oh, that was a savage, brutal. Uh, straight out of the oh, comic. That's yeah. the thing, man. Like as we've talked about in the past, you know, like the first Ninja Turtle movies, they took everything basically out of the comic. Right? Mm. So yeah, I had Donatello killed by Rocksteady, 
and yeah, Michelangelo build a posse and go out for revenge against Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah, that'd be good because that because that's something that would, would break him. Yeah, well, and, it, and that's just the thing. turn him around with it being Donatello. When I was trying to plan, okay, which turtle do we kill, mm. right? Because I, I didn't want to just copy the comic, but when I thought about it, I thought, well, it has to be Donatello because then you have Leonardo saying, you know, was, was I too hard, you know, being a, a leader and, mm. you know, because it didn't amount to nothing. You've got Raphael saying, was I too headstrong? Is it my fault? Why, got, why, why can I protect him? Yeah, because I'm got, a big yeah. one. And you've yeah. got Michelangelo saying, I'm a, I'm a joker, mm. maybe if I was more serious. You know what I mean? Mm. So... Out of all the characters, I felt that those three were the ones that would be like, mm. you know, intern take it internally and you know that sort of thing. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, so that's I, I think that's probably why I'm leaning towards it potentially being Mikey. But okay. um, I'm, look, I, as you said, from these pages, you're you, you, what you're doing is you're projecting yourself onto the story because you yeah. don't know. Well, that's know? A, that's the thing. Like this is obviously, I mean. The history of uh, westerns and samurai movies are intertwined. Yeah, you know, especially with um, well, uh, Star Wars yeah. also was was a melting pot with those you know westerns and samurai stories. Magnificent and all that. Seven was a <clears throat> western remake of a samurai movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And here already we've got the man of no name. We've got Clint Eastwood. We've yep. got something that we're projecting ourselves onto. Yep. This mysterious figure, like you know, we're already taking completely different, you know, um, perspectives onto something that isn't giving us any real sorts of clues. And look, and that's the beauty of it so yeah. far is that we know the Ninja Turtles back to front, mm. you know, in, in various incarnations, cartoons, movies, comics. But we don't know who this is. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. In so a way, we do because we're we're personalising. Yeah, yeah. We're we're interacting with, well, that's, with the media. Well, that's why we're personalising mm. it because he didn't turn up with a red bandana. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm. like they could have even had him turn up with a red bandana, and then later on it is actually Janika, but she's wearing it because Raph gave it to her or whatever. You know, also because so. we're going back in the day when they're all wearing red bandanas. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this beautiful double-page spread, which I really like. Um, and you really see the early Frank Miller nods here. Yeah, and, and definitely. And not in a parody. Like, they're, they're doing it really, really maturely. Yeah. And, and really uh, effectively as well. But yeah, I mean, and it reminds me, you know, um, the Daredevil TV show where the very first costume was from those um, Mark Miller comics, you know, the black... Frank Ma- Miller. What did I say? Mark. Oh, God. Because there is a Mark Miller. I've been a, I've been a big fan of Mark Miller my whole life, so... Yeah. Um, my whole life, for a couple of decades. Yeah, he wasn't writing comics when I was a baby. Yeah, so, um, but it, it it really gives me the the feel of those Frank Miller ones when he was in the black costume without the horns, mm. with the ropes around his fists. Yep. You yeah, know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in the design. Yeah, yeah. So and then we get you know some internal monologue sort of stuff. It doesn't really. Um, what I love about all this is this is a ninja doing ninja stuff. Yeah. We've got throwing stars, shrucken, and um, you know, uh, and all that because really, in the comics at least, um, we don't really see a lot of ninjutsu. Yeah. We see a lot of um, well, boxing, yeah. kung fu, and wrestling. Yep. Like this is actually dress up in black, um, grappling hooks and shrucken, and really staying in the shadows. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a bit of a Batman character. Yeah. And then he gets over the wall, and in the background, there's flying cars. Mmm. So, that, yeah. Marty that, McFly style. Yeah, that made me think of the neutrinos. Yes. You know, those 50s style aliens in flying cars. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, again, we don't know. And that's basically the entire preview. He jumps over the wall and then we're like, to be continued. Ah, and that's cool because it's basically, you know, he or she is going into a Blade Runner universe. Yeah. Um, And this is for, for some reason, but it's enough to go, what's going on? What's happened in the future? What's happened to all the other turtles? Where's April? All that sort of stuff. And I like the artwork. Um, And we're going to get to it in 150 issues time. But um, the thing I don't really like about the IDW Turtles is a lot of the, um, the, uh, I guess the layouts are very active. And so there's a lot of movement. And, you know, the drawings of the nunchucks, for example, are always like looking like smeared butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Whereas here, everything's sort of still a bit like the original Kevin Eastman and Peter Larrard run. Yeah. And the teeth are in check. Yeah. Because IDW go nuts with the turtle teeth. There's a little bit of a hint here, but not as much as before. Yeah. Which is why I'm a bit surprised that this is an IDW publication. Yeah. Which makes sense. But again, I thought we were going back to the Mirage. Yeah. And that would have been awesome. That's what I want to see, man. Yeah. But, but look, having said that, I know I complained a bit about the creative team. But, dude, I'm on board. You know what I mean? Like, that from that preview... Well, look, a couple of weeks ago, from the cover, I was on board. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But from that preview, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a little taste. It gives me a flavour of what this is. Mm. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, the last Ronin and the title... Um, I mean, you've got so many film noir movies with the last whatever in there. And um, so, you know, this is obviously really... The roots are in, you know, westerns and samurai movies and film noir. It, that, and all of that is my bag anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah. again, a little t- bit disappointed, but happy to, to just enjoy it. But that's all right. So, Eastman and Laird, I know you're not listening to this, but if you are, guess what we want? Mm-hmm. Just get together, the two of you, and just smash that. Look, even a, a one-shot, double-sized one-shot. Yep. You know what I mean? Bring us, give us a 100-page trade paperback. You know what I mean? Come on. But this story would have been the perfect swan song for the original run. Yeah. The last Ronin. Yep. I agree. Because Ronin is a master samurai. samurai, yeah. So we can assume Splinter's gone, and we can also assume the turtles aren't around. Yeah. So this is a lone character, maybe on a suicide mission, who knows, um, to really put the end... To the foot once and for all. And yeah. that would have been perfect. Anyway. I feel you. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick break. And we will be right back with uh, Raphael Micro Series. This is a Turtle Boy Podcast. Turtle Boy Podcast is brought to you by Big Tim's Funny Books on Patreon. Get on the ground level with exclusive first looks and behind-the-scenes previews for the upcoming Gorilla My Dreams comic by Armand Rafat and Big Tim. Head over to www.patreon.com slash Big Tim and for as little as $1 a month, you too can get in on the ground zero with a number of pledge levels and exclusive rewards to suit any budget. With your help, Big Tim can keep making funny books and you can get some pretty cool rewards. www.patreon.com slash Big Tim. Pal, class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Okay, welcome back to Turtle Boy Podcast. Uh, Luke, let's get into Raphael Micro Series. Absolutely. So, the last time we had a chat, yep. we had a look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number three. Number three. 
So these guys are pumping out these issues, which are taking months at a time, and they've decided to do a micro-series concurrently with the main run. Yep. And again, I've got no idea. I'm thinking this is Peter Laird trying to put the reins on Kevin Eastman. Yeah, right. You know, because, like, he's the type of guy, I think, who's more of a conceptual artist. Yep. He loves to just go, right, I'm going to do this, now I'm going to do this, now I'm going to do this. Yep. Whereas Peter's like, no, no, this is, I know this is gold. We're going to try and really develop this. Yep. Fine. You know, we'll do another comic. Yeah, do just, you, just so do you, you feel like this is, okay, Kevin, just go go over there. Yep. Take your colouring in book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Saying, okay, yeah, yeah. Kevin, look, go do your thing over there. Let me <laughs> Yeah. Let me finish what I'm doing here. Oh yeah. And this is only through, you know, looking at interviews with him and yep. and what he did with Tundra, the publishing house, yeah, yeah. which was just amazing. Um, yeah, you know, this is Peter just trying to keep this guy under control, but also interested in investors as well. Yeah. So giving him a little bit of lead. Yeah. You know? okay. And um because if you think about it. How many issues have you got of Gorilla of My Dreams? Uh, two. There you go. Can you <laughs> and, imagine? And two in the works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doing a side series while you're doing your other yeah. thing. Like, yeah. but, and, and also, and again, I'm not too sure at what point the, um, the television series is kicking in. Yeah. Because I reckon we're getting pretty close to this blowing up as a massive franchise. This early? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really early. Um, so yeah, you know, so we, we've gotten up to the point where, we're now doing a flashback episode, you know, because Splinter's gone. Right. And um, so now we've got this where it begins with the boys training in the sewers, aren't they? Yeah. So this indicates to me that it's like before... Actually, no, I don't even know. Oh, maybe. No, no, they're, no, they're in the city. No, no, they're in the city. So this is like a side adventure. So, so is this April's place? Yeah, I would think it's April's place. But the last time we saw the turtles, um, what were they doing? They were sleeping? They at, crashed at, out at April's place. All right, okay. Well, this might be really maybe issue four, issue I guess. Issue four, yeah. yeah. But again, I didn't know this existed. So when I was in the original yep. comics, I had the trade paperbacks. And, you know, Casey Jones rocks up at some point. But I never had the micro series. Yeah. So once I discovered these, I was like, "What? Yeah. I completely there's more of these awesome original turtles. Yeah. And that's it. So look, what I what I'm doing is as I'm rereading these is, I guess as a comic book creator, I'm trying to figure out the why, mm. you know. And like you said, you think it's uh, hey Kevin, look here's a one shot. Yeah, let's work on an idea for a one-shot. Now, you go do that. Okay, now let me sort this out for the next issue sort of thing. Yeah. Because I was wondering, like, in the first three issues, we've seen Raphael as a pretty, without being so gung-ho as a bit of a bit of a loose cannon. Mm. Okay. And I was wondering whether what the point of this issue was, was to say, well, look, he's not so bad. Okay. You know, to give him a little bit of depth. There's, there's worse out there. <laughs> which is Casey Jones. Right, right. Well, that's... Not great though, is it? Well, but I mean, it's like, it, wow, that guy's terrible. Oh, there's even worse people out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind this guy. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like Batman's terrible, but the Punisher shoots people in the head. Okay, I'll go hang out with Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, that's just me again, just me speculating, is wondering why mm. the story. You know? Well, maybe also. I mean, these are these are what are they called again? Micro series. Micro series. Yeah, yeah, and really, they're they're a 
you know, we're zeroing in on each turtle and fleshing out their characters. Yeah. And I don't see why you couldn't do that in the main series, you know? Yeah, yeah. But there's almost like, here's our adventure and here's another side um, series yeah. for you to get to know your turtles. Yeah. Really, shouldn't you be getting to know your turtles throughout their main adventure? It will be interesting to see, and we'll, we'll, we'll research this for the next episode, mm. we- how constantly these solo issues came out. Yes, you know what I mean. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. if they were if they were coming out at the same rate as the main book, or whether you know every three issues they dropped one in, we'll do some research on that. We'll I guess also, um, I mean, these were in black and white. I've, I'm looking at a recolorized edition. Yep. yep. Um, this is back in the day when the turtles all had red masks. Yes. They all had red faces. Yes. And so yes. the only way you could differentiate them is where they were weapons. And their character. And their attitude, yeah. So this is probably the start of, oh, let's start really crafting our characters. Yeah. And so this is Raphael losing his shit. Yeah. Like, we see we see him, um, you know, loving his brothers, having a tussle with his Michelangelo. Yep. And again, the, the funnest, most partiest, most optimistic turtle, and Raph gets enraged to the point that he's about to kill him with a yeah. spanner. Let me bring up one thing. Okay, I found reading this that I found the artwork a lot cleaner than the other issues. And in the on the black and white version, mm. you know, the, to me the lines seem a lot more defined, almost like a different yeah. artist is doing it. I think when, you know what I mean. It's not so much like as we said the last few issues, the the colours and the greys are almost like smudged. Mm. Here, you've you know, you, you've got the greys, but you don't have that smudge. You've got clearly defined lines as far as shadows are concerned. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm like I said, I'm looking at a colourised yeah, version, yeah. and you're probably looking at either an original um, scan or or a re- redo. IDW released color classics mm-hmm. which were the reprinting but colored they also released um like i think the first what do you know, first 15 16 issues just as black and whites right okay yeah um so that's what i've got the, the ones here is the black and white reprints but did you have the smudgy fudgy look in the previous issue yes yeah. all right yeah see i love that and I think that's a shame that that's either dropped off from their end yeah. or getting republished. Their IDW is. It will be off. interesting to see next issue. Yeah, but you know, <clears throat> I think it's fun to have a color um, yeah. because you can get yeah. back into stuff there you love. It's like seeing a 4K uh, movie, you know, version of a movie yeah. that you love. Yep. But um, I do like the smudgy, smudgy goodness. Yeah. Yep. So what we've got is Raphael um, sparring with uh, Michelangelo. Um, and Michelangelo beats him down. Yeah, he wins. Yep, and then Raph goes crazy, and he grabs a bloody uh, a wrench. Mm-hmm. What are they called? Spanner? Spanner, wrench. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, a shifting spanner. That's what my dad used to call them. Because <laughs> um, we've got a little wheel on it that you can open and close Oh, good. The teeth. All right. I so thought it was like, move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we called it. Yeah. Dad had to shift and spanner. Mum had to shift and shoes, and they'd... If they took them off, if the shoes came off, you moved. Yeah. You shifted. Um, <laughs> and so he's about to cave Michelangelo's head in with mm. a spanner. So it, it shows that he's, got, he's quick to temper. He's a hothead. He's got, yeah. like myself, anger issues. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but 
It's extreme though, isn't it? Is. it? It's shocking. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I mean, I remember Raphael being the party dude. No, the sarcastic one. You know, in the in Raphael the is cool but crude. That's it. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> so he was basically Chandler before Friends. You know, yep. he was just snappy. Whereas here, and I think that's why also when I saw the 1990s movie. I was like, what the hell? This guy is just a brute yeah. and he's angry. Uh, these comics really show you starkly this is what he is. He's quick to anger. Have you seen the movie Super? No, with the boy from The Office. office I yeah, say yeah. the boy, what's his and name? Ellen Page. Rain Wilson. Right. Yeah. Right. And he's it's it's basically he decides to be a superhero in real life. But there's a scene where he's got one of those shifting spanners. Yeah, right. And he bashes a guy over the head with it. And in real life, you're going to crack someone's head open and kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I thought about immediately when he picks up this shift spanner and he's about to cave Michelangelo's head in. I'm like, whoa. But he never showed violence towards his own brothers, though. No, like he would... No, no and you're completely right. But he would get into... It would, and in the movies, all the cartoons, all the movies, it's always Raph and Leo. Mm. You know what I mean? So he... Um, whereas in the 1990 movie, he had a throwdown argument with Leo... And then went to let off steam. He's a little bit more self-aware. Uh, yeah, yeah, That he knows he, he can't just punch Leo on the nose. He has to go and let some steam But off. I like how in the movie, he goes off to watch a movie. So in the um, comic book version of the movie, he goes off to see Batman. And then in the actual movie, he goes off to see Critters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, whereas here, we get some really cool acrobatics. Yep. And, um, and again, we're in the early, early stages of this comic book. Um, they don't spend a lot of time in the sewers. Yeah. Like, they yeah. are... Batman, they're yep. flying around their city. Rooftops. Yeah, rooftops and, and all that. So yep. again, they're now they're not even street level. They're, they're loving being above... You they're know. practically Marvel heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this stage, like, and again, really early on. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so what then? And then we, then we actually, as he's running around on the roofs, we, we actually hear Casey Jones' apartment before we see it. Yeah. Right. And it, I reckon it's... Um, it's probably like what my neighbor's experience living near me. You know, my movies are always up loud, I think because I'm going deaf in my old age. And uh, so, you know, I've always got people you know, in my house screaming, shooting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all this stuff. Um, I've been smashing Glee for the last, um, well, weeks, I have. And I've, I've just cranked it on the surround sound. I don't care. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> and then so he's in there watching cop procedural cop procedural what's the word cop procedural dramas procedural dramas yeah yeah, procedural dramas he's watching tj hooker which i think these days we need to call tj sex worker yep no street walker i've been hanging on to that joke since i read this issue last week (laughs) (laughs) well done nothing but net So, and uh, so you can tell that he's he's not quite right. He's yeah. he's living alone. He's got uh, and he looks like a frat boy, and um and he's watching violent stuff on TV while three, weightlifting. Three TVs going on at once with various um police movies and TV shows on. Mm, mm. Can I just say before that though, yep. this cool frame of um Raph looking solemn on a rooftop, yep. a bit like a gargoyle. Yep. Looks straight out of the movies. Yeah, yeah. So he's got like brown arm pads and knee pads and looking a little bit sorrowful. Like, fantastic. It looks just like the designs for the 1990 movie. This bottom half of this page, I love so much that you could 
have three framed pictures up on your wall mm. with that art. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, it's very well laid out, well designed. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't mind having that up on my wall. Mm. You know, in th- each each panel framed individually. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I really art. do like it. Yeah. But anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, yeah. So off the bat, we can see this guy's a nutter. Yeah. Absolute nutter. He is. And so, you know, shades of um, taxi driver, almost. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like he's... Yeah. He is living and breathing, being a vigilante. So it's almost like he can't wait till night comes along yeah. to don his vigilante equipment. Yeah, yeah. So a Jason-looking hockey Jason mask. Jason hockey mask. Yeah. And um, yeah, bag full of clubs. Now this is 1986, five roundabout. 84, 85. Yeah. When did um, Jason Voorhees? That was like 79 oh, 70s. or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Voorhees was John Carpenter, wasn't it? I get them mixed up. Yeah, I did too. Jace. Uh, coming home. What? Coming out. Okay, there we go. Okay, no, fair call. Um, sorry, that was just our buddy Jason. He's waiting for us to finish podcast so we can watch <laughs> movies. <laughs> well, fuck you, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, so this guy's a nutter, loves violence, and, he's, and, he's, and you get the feeling that he's, he, just, he just wants to have a confrontation. I feel so he's like... he's not a hero at heart. He's just... He wants to just beat someone up with a righteous spirit to it. Yeah, okay, okay. Because I was going to say, he's basically everything us comic book reading little boys wanted to be, but we didn't have the balls to be. Yeah. I don't know. This is a little bit sicker. Yeah. Like he's searching well, that's for a beat When you point it out like that, yeah, he's, he's more interested in just beating people down mm. in the name of righteousness than being the righteous defender of the night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. okay. I can take that on board for sure. Mm. Um, so he's out hunting the streets and then Raphael comes across a mugging. Right? Yep. Um... Now, Which has undertones of something more yeah, sinister. See, this is a very '80s thing, isn't it? You know, like we started to see. Well, again, you know, we we were children at the time, but you know, movies started to be like, well, killing people isn't enough. We've got to mm. get a bit rapey, you know. Yeah, um, um, that really kicked into gear with Death Wish. Yeah, one, two, three, four, and five. Yeah, Death Wish one was seventy-eight. I want to say, Jace. Seventy four, I think. Seventy four. Okay. It it always started like the inciting incident was a rape. Was to rape, and usually a gang rape of criminals up against one, you know, virginial-looking woman, and it was horrific. And if Marissa was here, she would, you know, say, "What is that supposed to be worse than than death?" You know, like yeah. why? Why would you would you threaten a male character with the same way? But anyway, we've got the same thing. I remember RoboCop. Yep. Same thing happened, yep. and um, you can imagine. You, know, you can remember what RoboCop did to the fellows. RoboCop nineteen eighty eight. So that was after this. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So here we go. Yeah. You're right. Um, influenced by the movies of the time, especially influenced by the movies that this character was just watching. All oh, right. Okay, but. Again, not knowing anything about New York at the time, art reflecting life, reflecting art, reflecting life. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And again, you know, I mean, you're looking at, um, you know, Tom Phillips' Joker, which is basically really homaging Taxi Driver, which was basically what Frank Miller based year one on of of New York at the time. So you're right. It probably was a a, a cyclical sort of thing. Yeah, Anyway, it's a trope. It's a stereotype. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, so... Rafa- but, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was younger, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. So reading it now, I was, ooh, 
Okay, yeah. we're getting we're going there, are we, boys? Yeah, um, yeah. I was the same, to tell you the truth. I was like, yeah, mm. I don't like it. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, Raph is watching it, but before he acts, Casey Jones jumps in. No, hang on. No, um, Raph gets in there first. No, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. And you can see their their philosophies here. Yeah. So Raph beats them up, but lets them go. Gives the girl gives her the girl her stuff back. back. Whereas um, Casey's like, Casey's whoa, like, what? Yeah. yeah. You're letting them go. We've got to crack their heads open. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so Casey goes after them to beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Um, and Raph's like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. And, um, and you can see some off-panel violence happening. And you can get the feeling that this guy is, is going to town yeah. with these bats and um, hockey sticks and uh, you know, going up a little bit... A little bit too extreme even for rap. Yeah, yeah. With the with the shifting range. That's right. <laughs> um so look then, then basically we just get them talking wise to each other and fighting each other pretty much for the rest of the book. Yeah, I guess. And and again, it's a bit of a character piece because we see how Raph is um, you know, trying to give him a give him a teaching moment, a learning moment, but um Case is not having any of it. And the thing is also, this is really reflected in the um, their introduction in the movie, yep. 1990. Yep. We've even got the four with the, um, with the golf club. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah. And again, watching that in the movie, I thought, whoa, that's a bit extreme. Here, it's pretty much even worse. Because yeah. there's blood going everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Um, so look, what I want to say is, is this... Does this comic do Batman vs Superman better than Batman vs Superman? Oh. You know, you've got these two characters with similar ideals but mm. different. Yeah. Trying to show each other how to be better at their jobs. Yeah, this does it better because these guys are more evenly matched. Yep. They're coming from, I mean, they're street level. I always thought the idea of Batman vs Superman to be really stupid yep. and really, really pathetic. I mean, even in the two and a half our movie how much versing have we got three minutes yeah yeah and it's ridiculous but again it was a frank miller idea in the dark knight returns way back in the day and he was looking at their political ideologies and you had superman really restraining himself whereas here um these guys are evenly matched yeah and it's almost like they've got well i don't know not even a mutual respect at this moment but raph can really see a lot of himself in this Casey character, because yep. Casey is a is a maniac, yeah. and again, you know, he he's loving New York because of what he can do in it as a law abiding citizen. Yeah, yeah. See, so I see this entire story as the one scene in Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker goes down into that tunnel and Darth Vader comes out. Yeah, and it turns out to be Luke Skywalker and the Darth Vader. You know, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for a forty-year-old movie, yeah. ish. Um, but you know what I mean. Like this is—I I feel like the idea of this story is let's put Raph up against someone who is Raph. Worst-case scenario, yeah. If Raph keeps on this lack of anger management course, this is who he would turn into, mm-hmm. sort of thing. You know. And in a way, if Raph can get through to this guy, he can. Get through to himself. Get through to himself, yeah. 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 So he's invested. He can see and he knows the error of his own ways because he's already got that 
that self-doubt and that self-criticism of like, oh my God, what was I doing? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Casey has none of that. Yeah. So Raph can see that and go, oh, geez, if I'm not here to help him, he's a completely lost cause. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Sin City where we've got that one vignette where you've got um, the Colin, what's his name? Colin. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Sin City? No. Basically, the... the, the Is there two Sin City movies? Yeah. Is there? <clears throat> yeah. But, um, well, basically... No, he, he's um, he's the Spanish dude. No, yeah, Colin, with the broken the nose, who was up for James Bond. Colin? Craig? No. Anyway, yeah. um, basically, there's a bit of a scruffle in his girlfriend's apartment. He gets rid of these guys, but then he's obsessed with following these guys because he feels like, oh, man... They're loose in the town. And I've yeah. got, it's my responsibility to stop them now yep. because they're all jacked up and they, and they want a confrontation. Yeah. Same here. Like, none of this is Raphael's responsibility. Yeah. You know, but he's getting himself in there because he can see that um, he, he's got a kindred spirit almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, so he interrupts another um, thug beating. <laughs> You know, yeah. he, find, he finds another, you know, Casey's beating up another couple of people. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, look, there's not a lot to really say <laughs> because they, they, it is Batman versus Superman. As yeah. they're fighting, they're talking about their own philosophies and how they both got a, you know, Casey's saying, you don't take this seriously enough. Raph's saying, hey, you need to calm the hell down a bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's only until, you know, Raph pretty much wins in a fight that they can come to an agreement of sorts or an understanding and, and have that discussion, you know? So they're conflict, conflict, conflicts, come to a loggerheads, and um, then they come to a kind of at least heroic understanding yeah. of, of where the line should be drawn. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was wondering at first if Casey was ever meant to be just a throwaway character, you know, for, for this issue. Mm. But I feel like he's too well-rounded. You know what I mean? He's he's he is a real character. Again, I reckon this is um, Kevin Eastman being given an opportunity to just get all of his kinetic energy out. Because yeah, yeah. again, this like the chase sequence in the previous, um, I want to say episode yeah, yeah. Uh, issue. This is a fight sequence, and we go from rooftop down to alleyways, over traffic into a park, yep. and it's almost like that um, that fight scene in They Live. Do you remember, have you seen that? I've, I've, look, I've seen it years ago. It goes ago, for about 10 me. minutes. I'm just like, look at these glasses. No! So it's just this huge fight scene. Oh, the the, the black guy. He, yeah. He's his friend. He's yeah. beating up his Put friend. Put these glasses on. No! no. Bam! <laughs> and that was it. But, but through Sounds constant, like me and my brother growing yeah. up. Give me that comic book. No! Bam! But it's a conflict. And it's, it's, yeah. it's visualized as a, as a physical conflict as opposed to an intellectual discussion. But here, yeah, yeah, we see them. It's like I've said before about... The Matrix movies, we visually see Neo yep. constantly battling his own um, lack of self-belief by getting into these fights yeah. and barely winning, you know, and we see the struggle of overcoming his self-doubt yep. rather than any flies. But we see that on screen in action sequences yep. rather than any type of dramatic introspection. Here's the same thing. Yeah. These guys basically are having a, a debate yep. reflected through physical violence. Um and now, look, I'm not throwing stones, okay? I'm not calling anyone anything. Right. Right. But this last splash page, there's something very homoerotic about Casey Jones. Yeah. 
Yeah, is that the eighties though? Was that the midriff showing? I'm not too sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's, obviously his shirt's ripped. Yeah, they've been fighting all this sort of stuff. But this, look, I've I've seen enough. Um, what do you call them? Adult documentaries. <laughs> Um, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But look, yeah. Again, this is the start of a bromance as well. Yeah. So maybe that's the whole thing. You know, these, this is basically a massive pissing contest. Well, that's why I was wondering if, if he was in, originally created just as a throwaway, look, we need someone to reflect off Raph. Mm. Do you think they expected him to blow up that much? Casey, no, I don't think so. Again. Eight, eight men who can... Okay, you got to look this up on Pinterest, guys. Eight guys who prove men look great in crop tops too. And it's straight away, it's, it's Will Smith from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> fresh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, great um, stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah I, I wonder if they think, if they knew... No. No, no, not even if they knew, but if they had any idea that he would blow up to be as popular as he is. That's the thing. I don't think these guys knew... If any of this is going to blow yeah. up as big as it is, again, I reckon this whole micro series was a way of just, all right, quick, let's get some character development in here yep. and and have it as a pocket universe. Yep. Again, um, this character, I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Eastman was behind the creation of him, yep. because it just he's unbridled kinetic energy, just yeah. trying to rip out. Yeah, yeah. And um, he adds a lot to Raph. Yep. To the point that, um, you know, again, when I was reading the uh, the normal series without the micro comics attached, I had no idea how Casey was related to Raph anyway. They yeah. seemed to have a more of a friendship than anybody else. Yeah. And again, in the movie, I don't think that they have a one-on-one broship. No, they don't much. really. It's no. more um, when Casey's fixing the truck with Donatello that they're having a bit of a more of a broship. That's right. We, I mean, again, in the movie, we do have this scene in the park where they where they beat each other up. Um, but apart from that, yeah, yeah, not so much. Yeah, but he's he's a kindred spirit, and there's an understanding. There's a there's a bromance. Um, I, now, again, like the previous three issues, mm-hmm. except for the end of the last issue, the stakes of the story. Yeah, again, they're they're high stakes for Raph as far as he con- he's concerned personally, but as far as you know, saving the world, even saving the city, it's not a very high-stake story. What he's doing is he's saving this guy to save himself. Yeah, himself. yeah it's a very personal high stakes, which, yeah. I, again, that's what we've really been enjoying about these first few issues uh, so far. You know? Absolutely. Um, again, I think it's a pity that this type of character development has to happen as a side sequel, side quill, of the um, of the main artery of the yeah. main series, yeah. this is the stuff that you need to get into your characters in the main thrust of the of the of, of the show. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost as if like, oh, we don't have time for that stuff. It's like this is the stuff that we as as comic book lovers want. Yeah, we want further development of our characters and a yeah. deeper understanding of their philosophies and their characters. Yeah, I think up to now they've they've very much been um, carbon copies of each other. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't had the character personality differences. Uh, we've had Raph storm off to look for a splinter by himself, but then he comes back. Yeah. You know, so we get, but, I mean, we get apart, hints of apart it. Apart from that, we... Like... Donatello with the computers and the mouses. So we see little oh, okay, bits yeah. of it. We, we see the beginnings of it, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, nothing to this extent. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. Um, 
How are you digging the colours on the coloured edition? Look, I like it. Yeah, I do like it. Um, there is a special charm to the old black and white and the and the grey. Um, again, you you said what the technique was a couple of weeks ago. I oh, forget what it's called. Colour shade. I yeah, think. like it's duo shade. There's a there's a charm to the old black and white with that sort of shading to it, which is which is very cool. But um, look, it, it's not. It's not any more distracting than any other comic book, you know, mm. color comic book, you know. And I'm I'm glad they actually reprinted them as color and as black and white, so you can enjoy whichever one, um, whichever one you dig, you know. What they really do here really well is action. Yeah. And again, this is this is um, action heavy. Uh, the previous one was the car chase. This is all fighting. Yeah. And um, and they do it really, really, really well. But again. Um, not big on story, where this is a personal character yeah, study. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, anything else you want to bring up before we wrap this up? Because uh, I feel like I've said all my piece. Oh, not not a lot. Again, just just really great panels. I love the design of these turtles. Yeah, and yeah. as as we'll see, once these comics start, you know, getting long in the tooth, they actually do change. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, we're still in in the early years where they're looking a little bit angular in the face. Yep. And a little bit short and stumpy. Yep. Yep. And I love all that. Um, the hair with um, with Casey. Casey. Yeah. Again, I reckon that was a sign of the times. Yeah. Because I remember um, the crow. Uh, yeah. Comic books, yep, yep. Same type of James thing. Bar, James Obar, yeah. Really fuzzy looking hair um, for uh, showcasing long hair. Yeah. So you've got that sort of blow dried look of the early metal sort of yeah, bands yeah, and things. Yeah. And so again, homoeroticism. Yeah. Because like you know, a real man has great big you know fuzzy hair and midriff showing. And um, when my when my older sister got married, mm. it would have been early nineties, late nineties. No, early 90s, right? My older sister got married and I had long hair. I had beautiful Thor style. It was At that time, it wasn't a mullet. I'll admit, growing up in Queanbeyan in the <laughs> 80s, I did have mullets a lot of the time. But we got to the 90s, you yep. know, early 90s, and so I had just long flowing locks. And for my sister's wedding, mum booked me into a hairdresser and they teased it all out like C.C. DeVille from Poison. Oh, yes. No, I hated it. Of course you did. Like, I looked I looked in the mirror, I was like, if this wasn't for my sister's wedding, I would be kicking shit down. Oh, I hate my fucking hair. Your sister wanted that. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm just oh, saying, okay. you know, this is her special day, so I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm going to go there looking like this friggin' Bananarama, you know, one, looking like one of the girls off the Bengals. <laughs> and it's funny because I was into stuff like Poison and Bon Jovi and all that yeah, yeah. at the time, but I did not like wearing my hair like that. I um I I I really liked Bon Jovi and um and Poison, but I thought they were one of the same band, and I thought they were girls. <laughs> so I thought, but um, that's amazing, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. I went to my sister's wedding. She goes, "I want you to be my, you know, the uh, the MC." I said, "Oh yeah, I'll do it. Great, shave your beard and lose ten kilograms." I was like, "What? So take your wedding?" <laughs> that's right. Um. Okay. So look, that, we'll call it call that a day for this. Um, so next week we're going to look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four. Right. Back into okay. the main artery. Back into the main artery. Um, again, because I'm following with this, uh, I'm following the black and white classics trade paperbacks for now. Yep. Okay. So that's why we've done it in this order. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's in the next trade, but yeah, it picks up at four. I think it's four, five, Mikey, Leo. Yep. I think, but I could be mistaken. But anyway, next week is four. 
Okay, again, in the Facebook group, um, I will have links where you can purchase a digital copy pretty freaking cheap, two bucks, two US bucks. Mm. So that's like, like 55 Australian dollars. <laughs> oh, actually, let's go all the way back to the last Ronin. Yep. One, it's not coming out right before my birthday. Okay. It's coming out the week after my birthday. But still, I expect all my friends listening to coordinate with each other, get me one of each of the variant covers because we know there's going to be 55. So that's, <laughs> that, all my friends, that's your job for my birthday. Um, but the price tag on it, do you want to take a, a guess in US? Digital or? Well, digital is the price tag that I've got so far. Right. Which is very, the thing is with brand new comics, digital is very close to what you're paying for hard oh, copies. Dude, I'm so, so out of it, but I'll take a pun. I mean, when I was doing comic books, it was $1.75 an issue. Oh, I, dude, I remember 99 cents. Fuck. You know, but anyway. All right. Um, digital and pub, um, an actual publication for the last Ronin, I would say would be about 12 bucks. Well, you really hit it out of the park because that's way over. I was upset because it's US eight ninety nine. Oh, which will probably make it about twelve bucks for yeah, us. Yeah, so, exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh, look, I like it, but why are you kicking me in the nuts? Why don't you well, just kick me in the nuts because and they give me know. the comic for free? Because they know that because they know I'm going to buy it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, and you want to buy it before someone goes, hey, do you want to know who the turtle is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. The the. Captain America number 25, right, where mm. they killed Captain America after Civil War. Fuck, spoilers. My friend, Chowney, you yep. know Chowney? Yeah. <laughs> I wake up that morning, right, I go out to the mailbox and there's a, a, an envelope in there. I open this envelope. It's a framed picture of Captain America that says R.I.P., Right, because he had heard the news, <laughs> and because it comes out in America two days before it comes out in Australia, yeah. you know, it was all over the internet. Yeah. And so I'm like, "What's this?" And then there's a letter in it going, "Ah, your favorite character's been killed." Ah. I was like, "You son of a bitch! I didn't even get a chance to buy the comic and read it." You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But um, but that's it. You're gonna have to buy this ASAP. Yeah. Um, to not get. Lo- I mean, this is basically Game of Thrones again. Yeah. You don't. You don't want spoilery jerks to spoil it yeah. for us. Um. Okay, well, look, that, I keep saying that's it, and then we go on another no, tangent. I reckon that's it, dude. But yeah, look, oh, we're done, guys. Ninja Turtles number four next week. Um, like I said, link in the Facebook group to Comicsology where you can pick it up for a buck ninety nine. I recommend starting to build your own collection of comics. Um, there's nice hard covers you can get that's reprinting them. Mm. You know what I mean? They, they'll look beautiful on your shelves, guys. You know. So, but either way, <laughs> okay. Well, look, we're going to wrap this up. Um, Thanks for listening, guys, and be good to each other. (laughs) This was a Turtle Boy podcast.